Father, we give ourselves to you once again today. God, we are in awe of what you have done for us. And what is so amazing is that that flows out of who you are. That that sort of act wasn't something that you did in one moment of courage. God, when you died on the cross for our sins, Lord, it wasn't just some moment that you built up the courage to somehow you you mustered it up, Lord God. It is who you are. God, your willingness to sacrifice yourself for our lives. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus. I am in awe of the love and the grace and the mercy that is afforded to us because not because of what we have done, but because how great you are. God, we stand in awe of you because you are amazing. Lord, there is nothing that I could say that could add to the beauty and the amazingness of who you are and what you've done. But all I can do is offer my life to you. Offer my heart and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. Father, we pray this morning that as we share your word today, that it would come alive to us. God, it would point us closer to Jesus. It would point us closer to you, Lord Jesus. As we try and understand what you are trying to communicate to us, Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, help us to understand. Help us to understand how this applies to our life and how it can change us. We draw closer to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good job, worship team. You guys are awesome. morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua. Yes, Joshua. And if you haven't been here all summer, we've been talking about Joshua and his life. And we're going to dismiss the younger kids, I think, three to seven. If uh, Apparently, they're dismissing themselves. That's awesome. That's so good. Um, three to seven to go downstairs and, and spend some time down there. Our, uh, our regular... Uh, children's ministry will resume, as you heard, September 13th. Isn't Labor Day really late? Isn't that really late? It's like really weird, but it's awesome. Yes, I'm not complaining. I'm just, I'm just thrown off. Is anybody else thrown off? Nobody? Okay, I'll be quiet then. <laughs> Apparently, I'm the weirdo who's thrown off. That's fine. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are rules. There are rules. So I want you to turn into Joshua chapter 6. Verse 17, okay? Joshua chapter 6, verse 17. And uh, last week we talked about, we talked about Jericho. We talked about this amazing victory of Jericho. And we got a little excited. You know, we got a little excited. We got a little bit loud. You know, we got a little bit loud. We, we kind of, if you weren't here, we, we kind of did what they did uh, at Jericho when they walked, they went around the walls. And the Bible says that all of them shouted. And the walls fell down. And so we, we yelled. We shouted. It was it was good, you know, we, we rocked it. It was good. You guys, it was, it was awesome. So here's this amazing victory 
And so we're right, we're right on top of it, okay? This is like a continuum, this is like a cliffhanger on a TV show, okay? So we're like continuing, like right next verse. And uh, so I want to share that with you this morning. But I, I want to talk about a little bit about the rules, uh, the rules of relationship. Uh, relationships have rules. There are rules. There are guidelines. There are, there are, there are, there are things that, there are things that I can say, and there are things that I shouldn't say if I don't want to break the rules. And, and I'll give this example, and, and I really don't really, uh, I love that the, these guys, these, you know, these younger kids are here today, but please, I'm going to share something that I don't ever want you to do. Okay, does that, does that make fair? Anyway, so I'm in Bible college, and it's college days, Bible college, college days. College days is, is, the, is the three days that people come in to come and check out, you know, Nina, you've been there, college days. Uh, people who want to come to the college, they come and check it out and see what it's going to be like. And so what happens is for three days, uh, high school kids come and stay at the Bible college, and they stay in our rooms together with us to kind of get the full experience. And so uh, we're together. Just settle down, John, okay? <laughs> Listen, so trying to get the full experience. And, and usually a college, you know, a high school age student would come into a college setting and uh, be, a little, be a little intimidated. And if it was me, I don't think I would want to try and get the college students mad at me. But there was this one kid who was in, who was in our dorm, who was on our floor, and uh, we're sitting around. It's about 10.30 at night, and we're sitting around, and, and we're just talking and goofing off. And my friends and I, we kind of give each other a hard time. Like, we kind of mess with, with each other and, and goof off with each other. And the closer I, you know, become friends with somebody, the more of a hard time I give them. You know Pastor Corey, right? You guys know him? Okay, I'm just saying. That's, I'm just saying, like, we give each other a hard time. Well, this kid who's, like, in high school comes in, and I'm start. we're, we're kind of giving each other a hard time. And all of a sudden, he pipes up, and he says something really, like, rude and, and awful to me, like joking, like he was joking around, but I don't even know him. Like he says something rude and awful to me, and I just look at him like, what are you doing? You don't even know me, and you just, like, you just ripped me apart. Like, you're, we're not even friends. And how could you even do this to me? Like, wh what is going on? And so here's this, this, this kid who's in grade 11, he's talking to me as, as a college student, like, like I'm his best friend. I'm like, you're not my friend. So when he left his room, I threw a sleeping bag in the shower. Because there are rules. There are rules. You're not going to go into a college campus and start talking smack around college campus when you don't know anybody. Because if you break those rules, you get punished. Don't do that, son. Son, don't do that. There are rules to relationships. There are rules in every relationship. There are lines that you don't cross. You don't cross those lines. And if there weren't rules, there'd be chaos. There is a relationship between God and his people in the Old Testament. You see, the relationship that God had with his people in the Old Testament isn't the same relationship that we have. We have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. The Bible says that when we accept Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and stays with us. And so we have a direct communication line to God. The people of the Old Testament didn't have that. God had a different relationship with the people of the Old Testament. God had a relationship with the, the nation of Israel. So that means it was almost like he treated the nation of Israel like a person and not necessarily like a nation. 
And so when we, when we read the Old Testament, we read how God interacts with the, with the people of Israel, we have to use that as an example of how God wants us to interact with him. Does that make sense? Okay? So that's, that's how I want you to understand it. So God has rules for the relationship that he's in. You see, he, is, he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again. But the deal, the rules for that relationship to work is that we have to accept that that's true. And make that a part of our lives. And, 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 and allow him to lead us by his principles, by his word. If we don't do that, then we're not really obeying the rules, are we? So we have to obey the rules. So here we are in Joshua chapter 6, verse 17. And I'm going to walk through the portions of scripture with you. And I'm going to talk about each one of them. I, I'm probably not, going to get, probably not going to get to the end. I hope I can. Um, Krista, where is she? I just want you to come up like right at 10 to 12. Just come right there. Sweet. Um, yeah, that'll just help me. It'll be good. It'll be good for everybody. It'll be good for everybody. So, Jericho and everything. So, God says before they go into Jericho, here's some of the rules. So, he, he, he put down some rules, okay? He put down some rules. I'm gonna, we're going to take over Jericho, but here are some of the rules. Nobody's looking at you, Krista, don't worry. Jericho and everything, and here's some of the, here's the rules. Here's what's going to happen. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought, must be brought into his treasury. So those are the rules. Those are the rules. But the problem is, is what had happened, what happened is something completely different. Something completely different. So here's the story. I can't, I can't read the whole portion of scripture for you because we don't have enough time. What happens is there's one man who decides to take it upon himself to take some of the stuff. He takes a garment, some silver, and a gold bar, and he hides it in his tent. He takes it from Jericho. He's not supposed to take it. The Bible says that if he does take it, it's going to be bad for him. It's going to be bad for the people of Israel. You don't touch that stuff, but he did. And so now the people of Israel go into the next part, into the next part of the land. It's called Ai. It's spelled Ai, so I don't know else how to say it other than Ai. Um, and so they go into the next town to conquer this next town, and they think to themselves, we got this. We just, we just shouted, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. So, like, we could almost do anything, right? Like, we just, shout, they just, we just did that. So the town of Ai is about 12,000 people in it, and they're like, ah, we only need about 3,000 warriors to go up against that. So they sent these warriors. They're not even, they didn't, they didn't talk to God or anything. They just said, oh, we're just going to, we're going to spy out the land. We need 3,000 people. We're going to go down. We're going to take care of business. Well, the problem is that they get to Ai and they lose. They lose the battle. In fact, 36 of their people die. And so they come back, and so they're all, they're licking their wounds like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? They lost the battle of Ai. We just beat Jericho, and here's this little town of 12,000 people, and we can't overtake Ai? And Joshua goes to God, God, what is wrong with us? And God reveals to them, look, there's somebody who is in your camp who has taken stuff, who has done something wrong. 
who has taken some of the banned things, who has broken some of the rules. And so they find this person, they find Achan, and they realize this is the sin that has happened. And Achan and his family, they pay the ultimate punishment. And then the people of Israel go back to Ai and they conquer the land. But the truth is, church, is that there has to be rules. There has to be a context where we follow a certain amount of guidelines. If there are no guidelines, there's chaos. So the rules are there for a reason. There's, uh, have you ever, anybody ever read the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes? Anybody? Calvin and Hobbes, listen, is, is funny stuff. I should get it for you guys. It's really good. Um, anyway, there's something in Calvin and Hobbes called Calvin Ball. Calvin Ball? Has anybody ever heard of Calvin Ball? Calvin Ball is a sport that has no rules. Okay, it has no rules. They just make up the rules as they go along. In fact, the only rule of Calvin Ball is that you, never, you can never play the games twice the same. So it's this silly comic strip, but it, it, it shows that there's this reality out there that people would say, rules are tyranny. No, I don't want to obey the rules. I don't want to submit to authority because somehow this is, un, you know, like this is somehow impeding on my freedom if there's rules and there's guidelines. And so there's this idea, why do I have to obey the rules? Why are you trying to dictate to me what the rules are? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that angst? Do you feel it now? Can you feel it now? You feel that angst, like, why is there so many rules? Well, church, there's rules or there's chaos. There's rules or there's chaos. And if we don't have those rules, if we don't have those guidelines, then, then it's not going to work, and we have to have those rules. And God sets forth ideas and principles in his words that should not, cannot be broken. You may not like that idea, but that is the way it is. The Ten Commandments are there. Those are laws that are still abiding. That if, you're, that if you're lying or cheating or stealing or murdering somebody, you're going to get punished. There's going to be consequences for those sins. If you're functioning in selfish ambition, if you're, if you're doing horrible things to your body, if you're consuming things that are destroying you, there are consequences for those sins. There are rules. And I'm, I'm not here to be, see, you're all, you're all maybe looking at me like I can't believe he's talking about rules today. Get this look on your face like, are you serious, Pastor Shane? You're coming here and talk about rules? Yeah, I am. Because I'm a father now. And I love the rules. I want the rules. Otherwise, it's chaos. Okay? It's chaos. I can't, I can't just say to my family, to my kids, just be like, just do whatever. Just do whatever. No. No, because it will be utter destruction. I know my kids are stuff up, up to stuff when I can't hear them. When I can't hear my kids, it's trouble. It's chaos. There has to be rules. There has to be guidelines. It has to be there. And God knows this. He sets those parameters because he knows and he understands that we need structure and we need guidelines. And we think that somehow freedom is, is something outside of the rules. But no, it is a, a passion to stay within what God has called us to. You heard, heard the story of the fences and the kids? Heard the, the illustration that they did a study on playgrounds. And they thought to themselves, well, if there was no fence around the playground, they would explore more. They'd be more creative because these fences are stifling their creativity. But in reality, when they did the test, they did the 
they did the experiment, they realized the kids didn't go to the edges of the property, but actually stayed as close to the school as they possibly could. They didn't do anything. They got closer and closer to the school. In, in fact, it created fear. But as they reestablished the walls and the fences, the kids went further and further out and explored and did so many different things out because they felt protected. We think that rules are going to stunt our creativity and our joy. And we can't be convinced of that, church. We have to realize that God has created us a playground and a structure with so many amazing things inside. And we have to trust that that structure is good. So we get to chapter 6. Sorry, we get to chapter 7 and we realize Chapter 7, verse 1. Can you put it up? You got it, Bonnie? Here's what it says. It says, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan stole some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. And that's who Achan was. <laughs> it's, you, hear those, you hear those words and you're just like, the Lord was angry with the Israelites? Does, does God get angry? Wait a second. Does God get angry? Is he angry with them? Is he mad at the Israelites? He's angry with them. Yes, he is. That, the Bible says that we were created in his image. And so there's a lot of our, 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 per, our emotions that, that we can connect with God. But we have to understand is that God's anger and our anger are two different things. Because God, God can actually be angry and not sin. The truth is, is that for the most part, when we get angry, we have a tendency to sin. <laughs> we have a tendency to sin. We have a tendency to let that take control of us. James chapter 1, verse, 16, verse 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, because human anger, verse 20, does not produce the righteousness that God's desires. Ephesians 4, 26 says, don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. We have to understand this, is that God, yes, he was angry with us, but it's not the same. It's not the same relationship. And understanding that God is upset when you walk in disobedience. He is upset. It's not because he hates you. And he says, this is the difference. We have to make a differentiation between anger and hate, okay? There's a difference between anger and hate because I'm telling, you, I'm telling you folks, there are moments I get angry with the people that I love, but it doesn't mean I hate them, right? Does that make sense? That we can be angry and not hate someone. And so there's a difference. Yes, there's a frustration level that we have when people wrong us. There's a frustration level that God has with us when we we don't follow him in the structure that he has set forth for us. It doesn't mean he hates us. It doesn't mean he's left us. It just means there's a frustration level, and it's because of sin. And this is what's happening. It's because of sin. And I, the sin started, sin started in the camp of Israel, but the people of Israel didn't necessarily know what was going on. 
because they went down to try and conquer Ai, and they couldn't. They, it didn't work out. But Joshua didn't know this. Joshua didn't know. Or it seems like they didn't know. Because I look in, in chapter 7, so let's go to verse 2 of chapter 7. Verse 2 of, two of chapter 7. So Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the land of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethlehem. And when they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for us to go, all, all of us to go up there. I mean, it's not going to take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few people of them, don't make our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope, and the Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events. Now, if you've been with us all summer and you talked about Joshua, what, you, what we've understood about Joshua is that he's a warrior and that the way that he talks with God is, is there's a command structure, there's an authoritarian structure. That's how he talks with God. That's how he interacts with God. And so we saw when he was crossing the Jordan, we saw when, when he was going up against Jericho that this is the, the command structure. God spoke to Joshua. Joshua spoke to the people, and the people did what Joshua said. That was the structure we saw with crossing the Jordan. That was the structure we saw with Jericho. And if you notice what's going on with Ai, you do not see that structure. There's no, nothing written down here that says God talked to Joshua about how to deal with Ai. So I can only assume that God did not give those instructions. That God did not give those instructions. I do not know why Joshua did not consult the Lord or there's no record of it. I do not know why. But I'm telling you right now that God would have dealt with the sin at that very moment if Joshua had said, had spoken to God or inquired of God, God, how do we go and attack Ai? Well, I wouldn't do it if I were you because you've got to deal with this thing first. But he didn't. Church, the first Sin, one of the first things that we realize is that when we sin, a lot of times we don't even know it's there because of our pride. And I'm wondering if that's what happened. I can't tell you if that's what happened, but I'm wondering if after the Jericho fell and they shouted and they just beat the most fortified fortress, whether it was pride in Joshua's heart. Because he, he thought to himself, I mean, we just shouted it down. Like, we just did it. We just rocked it. And the very next portion of the verse, they don't consult the Lord on what to do. And then they get defeated. Church, a lot of times that's what happens with us. We get all excited. We're doing things right. Things are going well. And we think to ourselves, what happens is, is it, it, there's a transfer of what we believe is happening. We start thanking God. Oh, God, we just thank you for what you've done. That's just amazing. This is amazing. And then we, eventually we start thinking to ourselves, man, I'm, I'm doing a really good job. I'm wondering if Joshua thought to himself, well, you know, now they're going to write about me in magazines. <laughs> now someone's going to be blogging about me, about how I'm amazing and, and taking pictures and I'll get my own YouTube video. Like, I'm, I don't know what Joshua was thinking at that point, but there's something inside of me that thought that feels as though pride may have come up inside him because he didn't consult the Lord. And it's in that moment that Joshua could have averted this whole process if he would have just consulted God. Church, I want you to know that before you go into any circumstance, you should consult the Lord. 
I know, I know that we can assume that we know God's word back and forth. I know that sometimes we can assume, oh, I know what God wants me to do. You see, it was, the, it was the plan all along for them to go and take AI, but God wanted some input on how to do it. Because you'll see later on that God had a whole strategy on how to beat AI. But they didn't consult the Lord. Church, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if things are going awesome or things are going rotten. But I'm telling you, you need to consult with the Lord. Because he has a strategy of the way things can go the very best for you. So you need to consult with him. You need to ask him. Maybe it's something you've done before. I don't know. But like, every circumstance has got to be different. Every situation becomes different because of different relationships. So we consult the Lord. And if we don't, we leave ourselves open to pride. And because of pride, and because of sin, they were defeated. The problem with the consequences of that sin is that God no longer, God doesn't support sin. When we rebel from him, he doesn't bless that. Okay, he doesn't bless rebellion. So when we disobey him, we are stepping out. We are stepping out from under his blessing. We are stepping out from under his support because we're saying to ourselves, what I think is more important than what you think, what my plan is becomes more important than what your plan is, and I just trust myself more than I trust you, and we're stepping out from that, and God cannot bless rebellion. He just can't. Those are the rules. And so the consequences for the people of Israel is that they stepped, they stepped out, of, out of God's blessing. And so they were defeated. And they were all upset. They didn't understand what had happened. They didn't understand what, what, what's going on. Joshua chapter 7, verse 10, 11, and 12. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They've stolen some of the things I've commanded and that must be set apart. They've not only stolen about, but they've lied about it and hid those things amongst their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running an enemy in defeat. Now Israel has been set apart for destruction, and I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things that were set apart for destruction. God can't bless rebellion. Parents, if, you're, if your kids are throwing a temper tantrum, you can't give in because you're just telling them that this is the proper behavior. You can't give in. When I say to my kids, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them. And they'll get crying. They'll be upset. And I'll say, crying gets you nothing. That's right. Crying gets you nothing. Because the, you walk in obedience, and that's how you get God's blessing. So it, you, can't, you can't expect God's support when you don't follow him. And the sin... Often the sin, it comes, it comes from a selfishness. It comes from a, a, a selfishness. Achan, this guy. Here's what it says about Achan, verse, verse 20, verse 21 of chapter 7. 
And finally, so finally they come to him and they're just like, we figured out who it was. We figured out what was going on. This is what he says. He says, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord and I've sinned against God, Israel. Among the plunder, I saw this beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold, weighing more than a pound, and I wanted them so much. And they took them from me. I wanted them so much. And they took them from me. Church, the, the sin of selfishness can destroy you, what you're focusing on, what you, what you, you become passionate about, what you become passionate about achieving you become passionate about getting, it can be so destructive if it's focused in the wrong direction. We can become so consumed with the things that we look at with our eyes, it can, it can destroy us. And it's, it, it's not because, and we can, try and we can try and reason it away where it's good for my family or I deserve and I've worked hard and I should get this. But I'm telling you, church, whenever you focus in on something that's not godly, that's something that's that's based on what you want, I'm telling it's going to bring you to destruction. The problem is, is that Achan didn't just bring destruction upon himself, but he did it upon his family. He did it upon his kingdom. He, the, the people of God couldn't even go forward because of what Achan had done. I'm telling you, when we walk in selfishness, we're not just going to hurt ourselves. We're going to hurt the people around us. It's going to happen. We can't break these rules. God has put these rules in place so that we can prosper, so that we can be victorious. So the moment you start saying the word, well, I, I think this, or I want that, that's, 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 the, that's the first step into sin. I'm telling you, almost every sin you'll ever commit starts with the word I. Aiken says, I wanted them so bad, so bad. I wanted it so bad. I wanted that stuff so bad that he was willing to sacrifice his whole country to have a garment, some silver, and some gold. But in order for the people of Israel to be reconciled to God, they needed to remove that sin. They needed to remove what was wrong. And here's the key to sin. Listen, it needs to be removed. It needs to be taken out. It needs, we need to get rid of it. Sin cannot continue in our lives, and we can't expect to do anything in God's purposes if we allow sin to be a part of our life. Achan and his family paid the ultimate price for their disobedience, but sin had to be removed. Sin had to be removed, and their family represents the sin that needed to be removed. It has to be, it has to be gone, otherwise it's going to destroy us. Our selfishness will, will destroy us if we don't get rid of it. It had to be taken away. It can't be staying our lives. We should get, we should check, check. That checked. We need to check ourselves, you know. And there's something going on with things. You know, sometimes as guys, we've got something going on with us and something wrong with our body, and we're getting older and we're thinking to ourselves, you know what? Be all right. Something hurts.
hurting our leg or there's some sort of spot. And, you know, like some guys, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest. I was helping, you know, I was helping move and I had this like twinge in my back and I'm thinking, I'm just going to push through this. Nothing's wrong with me. You know what? In the end, we let things go unchecked in our physical bodies. It could turn into something pretty horrible. Right? Church, if we let things go unchecked in our spiritual bodies, it can end in something pretty bad. Sin can't be allowed to stay. It can't be allowed to stay. So we have to get rid of it. The amazing thing about the sin in our lives is that it can be destroyed. It can be thwarted with the simplest of measures. Because in that very moment that the sin was removed, God was right back with them. It says, and God was no longer angry with them. And then they went on, and you'll see in chapter 8, we're not going to go through it, and see in Joshua chapter 8 that God says this, Joshua does this, and says this to the people, and that's what they do, and then they win. And then they win. And the truth is, is that your relationship is that your life can be restored in this very moment, in this very moment right now. That whatever sin that has happened in your life, that has happened in my life, there can be freedom, there can be victory once again because of the God that we serve. And listen, he's not, here's what's amazing about it is that while his anger, may, he may be frustrated with us, that can be resolved. And it's not as though God has said, well, they blew it, so I'm gone. They blew it, so I'm gone. They asked for forgiveness, and this is the amazing part of God. They asked for forgiveness, and God was right back on the track, right back on with them. Okay, now let's get on to AI. Let's figure this out. Here's how you do it, and this is what we're going to do. It was like a blip on the radar. It was like, no, we're going forward. We're going forward. We're going forward. But if there's sin, we've got to get rid of it. You've got to get rid of it. If there's selfishness, we've got to get rid of it. And God's not scared by that. It doesn't throw him off track. He just, he says to us, you just have, you just have, there are rules. And I want the rules, church. You want those rules. Because the rule that God has set down is an unselfish one. It is a gracious one. It is a merciful one. I don't want to live by the, my own rules or the rules of the world. Because that is a vicious and evil place. That is unforgiving, unrelentless. In trying to convince me that I'm not good enough, the world out there is going to try and convince me that I do not have what it takes. And yet the grace of God comes back to us and says, just, just, just get rid of it and we'll move on. Just get rid of it and we'll move on. They had another chance. They had another chance to beat AI. Let's get on with the promise. He didn't, he didn't just, just didn't get rid of the promises. He's like, no, we're, we're still on to the promised land. We're still doing that. And that's, that's the good news of the gospel, church, is that we can always return to God.
You see, God didn't leave the people of Israel. The people of Israel, the people of Israel left God. God didn't leave them. They left God. They walked away. The Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. But you know what? I can leave him and forsake him. And even if I do, the amazing thing about his love and his grace is that he's right there to welcome me back. And he was right there for the people of Israel to welcome them back. In church, as you read the Bible, as you go through the Bible, every time they confess, every time they ask for forgiveness, he's there and he's like, I'm with you and let's go forward and let's get this done. Every time, that this is an example of God's relationship with you and me. Read through Judges, read through what happens in the Kings and God didn't let them go. He didn't leave, he didn't leave them, they left. But then the moment they repented, in the moment they forgave, they asked for forgiveness, he was there. So don't get discouraged by what's going on with AI. Don't get discouraged by the rules thinking to yourself, why are all these rules here? Why do we have to abide by them? Because it's the very best way for life to be lived. I want the fences. I want the rules because it's the place of freedom. It is the place of freedom and the place that God has created for me is the place I want to be. Relationship takes daily attention. Takes daily attention. I gotta check myself every day. God, if there's sin in my life, I need to, I need, I don't want it. I want it out. I don't want anything to hinder me from my relationship with you. I don't want anything to hinder what you have for me. His grace and mercy, it never ends. Because he's always willing to give us another chance at victory. I love that they went back to Ai. I love that he didn't scrap the plans. He just said, here's another chance to win. This morning he gives you another chance and me another chance to win. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? This morning, I, I'd love to give you a chance to, to say to God, to ask for forgiveness. Maybe, maybe it's been a while since you talked to God. Maybe things have gone unchecked. Maybe we've been prideful and thought to ourselves, oh, everything's fine. 
that seem, things seem to go more wrong, we realize things aren't fine. Well, he wants to restore his relationship with you again. Whether it was for the first time you're coming to know him or whether you've known him for a long time, he wants to get back on track. He wants to move ahead with you. But in order for that to happen, we have, we have to get rid of the sin. And the way to do that is to ask for forgiveness. The way to do that is say, God, forgive me for what I've done. Help me to take it out of my life so I can move on with you. I'm wondering if we could just take a couple of moments and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. Allow our hearts to be open to God and say, God, is there something unchecked in me? Is there a secret thing somewhere that I don't realize? Search my heart. Father, we come today and we, we open our hearts. And Lord, I just I pray that this would not be a moment that we think that we're garbage, that we're awful, but rather a moment that we realize who you are, and how great you are, and how we want to get back on track. So, Lord, we ask for forgiveness today. Lord, I pray that there would be those who ask for forgiveness today, who would take the moment and say, God, I'm sorry. I've been doing this wrong. I want to get back on track with you. God, I'm sorry. I've been living my life for me. 
outside of the rules, outside of the fence of freedom. Please forgive me. Take control once again. Take control once again of my life. Take control for the first time. Maybe that's you this morning for the first time. Maybe you've never thought to yourself or didn't realize what you were doing and you want to make that decision today. You can do that. All you have to say to God is, please forgive me. Take control. Take over my life. I give it to you. Give it to you. Give it to you. I'm wondering if we could just all say a prayer together. You repeat after me and make my words your words. A prayer of forgiveness. Would you say it with me? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I've been selfish. I give you my life. You're in charge. Help me to walk in victory. In Jesus' name. Amen. He has done so many great things for us, and all he expects for us in return is that we would trust him. Would you just sing this chorus this last time of the stand? Would you just sing it as, as we close our service today? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're just going to sing this chorus again. It's beautiful. Would you stand with me? What could I say? What could I do? But offer this heart What could I say? What could I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely.
Okay, now here's the point. Here's the point. He does not want you to lay down and feel bad for yourself. He does not want you to think that you're garbage or you're dirty. In fact, he wants you to stand. He wants you to get up and get on with it. There's no part of God that wants you to make you feel like dirt. There's no part of God that wants you to make you feel worthless. In fact, what he's trying to do is saying, I, I, I believe in you. I trust in you. I want to be with you. I want to go with you. I want to do this together. That's what he's saying. So no part of God wants you to lay down and think, oh, poor is me. Maybe I should go somewhere and die. Every part of God wants you to stand and say, let's go forward together. Would you sing this part of the song? It says, I'll stand. It goes like this. And I'll stand with arms high and heart in awe of the one who you, Lord Jesus, that you are there for us, that God, even though we make mistakes, even though there's sin in our life, Lord God, you can help us get it out, you can help us move on from it, and that move forward. And Lord, I pray that we would stay within the fences of freedom, oh God, that we would, we would be so satisfied with what you have in store for us, Lord Jesus. So Father, forgive us this morning, may, may we move on to what's next in you. Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. God bless you. You're dismissed. I'll stand. So I'll stand.